We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. This important conversation is part of our Accessible Voices series during October, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, NDEAM. We have two special guests to share today. Mary Ann Newell is the Assistant Director of College Support Aspire Program, Kinney Center for Autistic Education and Support at the incredible St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia, PA. And we have Jalen Dotson, a 2021 graduate of St. Joseph's University with a Bachelor of Arts in Film Studies and a working scholar at the Kinney Center. In his current role, he's the editor-in-chief of the Camp Kinney Newsletter and is currently producing an end-of-summer video celebrating the work done by the Kinney Center. He's a writer for the Hawk newspaper and created Sinhawk, providing reviews and analysis of the latest theatrical and streaming releases. Welcome to ROG, Marianne and Jalen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure, and I cannot wait to learn more from both of you. So Marianne, let's begin with some helpful context. Could you please share about what is neurodiversity and how you define it? Sure. Neurodiversity is really defined as the range in individual brain function and behavioral traits that's regarded as part of normal variation within the human population. It's typically used to describe people with autism spectrum disorder, but it can also include differences like ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, things like that. And then on the reverse side, we also use the term neurotypical. And that term is used to describe someone who does not have a condition that would qualify them as neurodiverse. Awesome. That's really helpful. And I think an acronym that you just said, or you said that autism spectrum disorder often referred to as ASD. So when we use ASD in this conversation, that's what we're referring to. Awesome. So tell me about the Kinney Center and the Aspire program, something unique to St. Joseph's University. Sure. And I think that the intro you gave for Jalen really encompasses the Kinney Center's mission. It's twofold. First, to educate the autism professionals of tomorrow, and secondly, to support those affected by autism today. Uh, So we're really training undergraduate students. They work all of our programs. They support learners in the community with autism. And then we also obviously are supporting those people. We have children all the way through adults, and that includes the Aspire program, which is the program that I work for. And the Aspire program is for college students on the spectrum who are fully matriculated into St. Joseph's University, and they receive supports from our program in the areas of socialization, executive functioning, and organization, as well as some academic supports in the realm of connecting with professors, accommodations in the classroom, and things like that. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. So Jalen, what was important to you when you were looking for a college to attend? What was important for me is, was, you know, like that's a good school, of course, that's a part of it, but also just a comprehensive program that can offer support for people like me, people on the spectrum, you know, other other colleges like Penn State, uh, Temple and Drexel, who also, they also have like programs for autism, but I didn't feel they were as comprehensive as what the Kinney Center offered. And so that I first actually first uh, got to know the Kinney Center in high school. I went, went, it was like a day, like a night program they had for like kids on the spectrum. I, I was 15 and it made, it made a good impression on me. I, I should say like now since I've gotten here, they've really lived up to like that impression that they made to me. Oh, that's terrific. So how has your experience been at St. Joe's? I know you're a recent grad. Congratulations. Tell us a little bit about 
your time at St. Joe's? Well, like the people here are just like so nice because that's what made me want to like, ultimately accept because I came here on like, a student day and just, it was so welcoming and like affirming. I just felt like I, I'd be comfortable here. And, and it's just not, not over the past four years, it hasn't always been easy. Sometimes I, like, I, I have had a harder time, you know, men- mental health wise. Like, uh, it's, you know, no work can be, can get to me at times. And, you know, I have made friends here, but, you know, like, I'm still not, I, I still have ways to go in terms of, like, being, like, more social. And also, something that helped was, uh, you know, my column in the Hawk, uh, Cinehawk. Because uh, I, was, I, was, I was, like, had a really stressful time, like, back in, like, fall of um, 20, 20, 2019. And so, like, that, that just gave me an outlet to get my thoughts out. It really helped me. That's awesome. And a way for you to share some of your talents and gifts. And it sounds like that was pivotal in changing your major and deciding like, this is actually something I really love to do. And I want to explore doing that professionally after college. And you mentioned seeking help and participating in the CAPS program, which is the Counseling and Psychological Services program. And I love that that was mentioned in a recent article about you. And I think that's so important for everyone to understand that, you know, very often we need somebody to talk to, we need somebody to express ourselves to and help us to navigate some of these challenging times and these major life transitions. So one of the reasons why I thought this topic was so important is because I don't think it's widely understood. I'm on a learning journey myself. One of the things that you shared with me, Marianne, is how the employment rate is 20%. I'd love to hear more about your research and your understanding about employing individuals on the autism spectrum. Sure. So it's a pretty grim number. 20% people on the spectrum are unemployed. Um, So that's an 80% unemployment rate national um, estimates. And then also doesn't take into account underemployment. Um, So underemployment is and has been cited in research as people who are college educated or perhaps not settling for jobs that they were overqualified for. In a pilot study um, that was done at an autism at work program, applicants were telling the researchers that they were overqualified or had previously settled for some overqualified jobs because these positions weren't available to them. Many of the people that were studied for this um, held graduate or multiple bachelor's degrees earned with honors. And so it's just really indicative that there is a problem other than qualification or ability that's standing in the way. I hope that, you know, through our work today, um, we're able to just clear up some of those misconceptions because a lot of them are really quick fixes. And that's pretty important to, to note as well. I'll also say just quickly to brag about how wonderful our students are um, so in Aspire students, um, when surveyed recently, were found to be employed at a rate of about 88% within six months of graduation. Um, so employed or in graduate school within six months of graduation. And our estimates show that about 81% continue to be employed after the survey was conducted. So we're really seeing the flip side of these national statistics. And our students are proving that with the right supports in place, they can be just as successful as their neurotypical peers. Mm. Absolutely. And saying that the number of 20% is grim is so true and disheartening. But I think that work like this and conversations like these are so essential and necessary to help demystify some of the misconceptions and to clarify the strengths of individuals who are on the autistic spectrum. Why don't we start with some of the misconceptions or the the challenges that some people perceive that individuals with autism may have? Sure. Um, So I think from our perspective as um, a program that's been working with students uh, in college who are on the spectrum for 10 years, um, we really try to reframe these challenges as strengths. Um, And when you look at them and break them down, that's really easy thing to do. So for example, 
one challenge that a person on the spectrum might face, and these challenges don't apply to everyone on the spectrum, that's why it's considered a spectrum, there's a lot of variability there, is that they might be inflexible or rule-bound. So especially in a workplace situation, we're seeing individuals who are great at following rules, they're very punctual, they're good role models for others. Another thing that gets in the way of employment sometimes is social struggle. So really feeling like um, might not fit in in the workplace, they may avoid social outings or just not be able to make that banter during an interview that would really sell someone as a candidate. But on the flip side, we're seeing someone who is really non-judgmental, generally has extraordinary memory. Research is showing us that people who are neurodiverse have longevity in a position. There's less turnover for the company. They're loyal to these companies. A lot of times direct communication can feel really unnatural. We try to be polite when we're talking to others and casual in our interactions. And we have this tendency to rely on other people to just understand what we mean. So things like idioms, so for example, the ball is in your court, can be really confusing to someone who communicates literally because you're not actually talking about tennis, right? So in this example, what you're saying to someone is you need to take the initiative here, right? But if someone's misunderstanding that, they're not going to you know, pick that up and run with it. Another example is the phrase, take a break. For one of our students, they were told in a workplace situation, take a break, and they left for 45 minutes and didn't come back. And so the employer contacted us and said this happened, and we were shocked because this person was punctual and very organized. And when we talked to them and got to the bottom of it, they thought that take a break, but that was appropriate. And so we just worked with the employer really to say, take 15 minutes and then come back or, you know, run to the bathroom and then come back. So just those small changes and reframing it as a miscommunication issue rather than a performance issue can really help someone on the spectrum. And we're seeing a lot of other strengths, right, that are maybe not on that typical list, but are really valuable to companies. So um, have really particular skill sets, you know, might struggle to balance multiple tasks at once, but possibly enjoy repetitive tasks, can have long periods of focus, um, strong pattern recognition and and logical skills, um, very accurate. So we're really just trying to, I think, shift the focus away from these very common qualities that employers are pretty much always looking for and just broadening the horizon to say there are a lot of other things that someone can bring to the table that might look different than what you were seeing before, but are just really diversifying your team and everyone benefits from that. When we come back, we'll learn how the Kinney Center helps employers with neurodiversity hiring, training, and support. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. We're adding new podcasts every day. Visit QRDPOD.com and meet our podcasters. That's QRDPOD.com. And we're back with more from Jalen Dotson and Marianne Newell from St. Joseph's University Kinney Center for Autism Education and Support. How do you at the Kinney Center help employers through this journey? One of the ways we do that is through general consultation. And we also offer a five-week neurodiversity at work training series. Um, This is designed for businesses, both large and small. Again, for those who are just looking to pick up one or two employees or for those businesses who are looking to start their own neurodiversity work program from the ground up. We have years and years of experience doing that and helping companies. And so we're always happy to partner with organizations for that. Some of the modules include a lot of what we've been going over today. Um, So benefits of neurodiverse workforce, hiring, accommodations, building supportive teams, things like that. And we're also always open to creating new partnerships to provide organizations with neurodiverse employees or college interns. Excellent. And I'll put the link to that resource in the show notes for easy access. Please, everyone, take a look at that and think about how you can 
benefit from some of these extraordinary services from St. Joe's. So Jalen, let, let's hear from you. What, what are some of your reactions to what you're hearing about the strengths related to individuals? What are your thoughts, Jalen? I thoughts, I guess I certainly agree. Oh. Cause like, you know, like, cause I point this out, like, like it's easy just like with some, especially with like lower functioning people, it's easy just to on first impression, just assume like they, if they, they don't care, they, 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 they're they not like listening or just like, they're not like, smart, but underneath, like, like, like they, they, they are, because of our obsessive nature, it can like make, whatever we choose like a certain field, whether it's math or science, geology, just, we, we raise your focus on it and we like, be, and, uh, that was all, we like, well, we can be like, the smartest person on, on a subject. Like, well, I know when I'm really interested in something, like I, I learn all about it. I, I, I just spend like hours just like getting into a special topic, you know, lately that's been like film and, movies but also also has been math and science like bi- biology like sharks like marine biology i really like was into investigated but yeah when you think about the kinds of things that you would want to do what specific jobs or roles can you envision having that you would really enjoy um so, so i was well um jobs like mainly it's like i'm a writer so like that right now my main goal is like to get mainly screenwriting that's, that's like my, my preferred like because i love film so I do want to hopefully, like, you know, produce, not just write, but also produce. Like, that's also a big goal of mine to want to become a producer of my own work. And also, like, I've, even though I, I've always mainly wanted to be a screenwriter, I've also developed an interest in, like, you know, prose, like traditional prose writing. So I want to write some short stories, some poems, and also eventually uh, probably a novel, too. That's fantastic. So are these some of the things that excite you about graduating from St. Joe's, like being out in the world, like it's going to, you'll, you'll create your new structure and whatever it is that you decide you want to do. But what are some other things that excite you about graduating? Well, first of all, as you said, like, you know, cause kind of, even though I said the lack of structure was scary, like on the flip side, you know, it is great. Like I feel, feel I feel freer than I have in a long time. This is like the future and like what I, what I can accomplish. Cause I feel more confident, even though I still, I, I do still have a ways to go in terms of getting like my skills like better to progressing, but I do feel confident. I feel like I, I'm in a good place where I can like for, like uh, produce work that that can, that can like stand a career at least. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think you're an awesome writer. From what I've read that you have written, and I think it's great to acknowledge that you are on a journey. Right, all of us are. And I think that's terrific to say, like, I always want to get better. I want to try new forms of of writing. I want to express myself in different ways. And you have found some avenues that really feel fulfilling for you. So from a social standpoint, I think it's helpful for us to know more about your experience, Jalen, and just being out in life, right? Being out in the world. And you found an awesome university that supported you and, and really nurtured your strengths but I'm positive there have been times where people have said things that have hurt your feelings. So I'm wondering if you could share some of that reality for us to understand what it's like to be you on any given day. I'm mostly on good terms with my peers. Like, you know, there's some instance, like, you know, one time, like, you know, I'm a filmmaker. So I was like on a short film set and like, I, 
I was kind of, I was like, I was a boom operator for it because we all, we had to take different roles for each film. But, but I was like, kind of like, I wasn't really good because, you know, something, a, a trait of autism is that you often have trouble with executive functioning. It's something my, my therapist told me. So I, I was, I was like, I kind of messed it up a little bit. I was, wasn't doing good as a boom operator and kind of, kind of got, eventually I got, I got chewed out by another, another student there. So you know, that was, that wasn't a positive experience. Like, that was like really the only like major thing. Like other than that, you know, I hadn't really had any like no like any conflicts with like any peers or, or like anyone at the case center or anyone like any professors. You know, it's it's been good, good a smooth ride mostly. But as in general, like mean people, like like just just like I mean, you mean like regards to people on the spectrum, just that it's like having like neurotypical assumptions about them and just telling them that and just like not like understanding like that things that are easy for you are hard for them, like communication or just like you know because like because like because we're, we're like really particular about directions like sometimes we we're not like we're hard for us to pick up pick up on the nuances of, of conversations and like especially in the workplace sometimes like you can like you may give them a direction and like they they might hear that direction but they, they might you might expect them to do more but they 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 they, they hear what you specifically told them to do so they don't they don't want to disappoint you so that can be like that can be like miscommunication sometimes that's really helpful jalen thank you for sharing that and for inviting us into some of those things and it's just how that informed you i mean it, it sounds like some of those were painful experiences but i think you learned from them you adapted because of what you learned and what i'm also hearing from as an individual communicating is like, how can I be more clear and specific and not um, assume that all of these other things that I was thinking are exactly what you were thinking. So what have some people said or done that have made you feel valued, respected, appreciated, like, like you belong? What, what does that feel like and sound like so that those of us listening can be more intentional about using inclusive language and being more of an ally? Um, (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of a hard question. I guess one thing is patience, you know, just showing patience. So that's, that's something the case I really excels at. Just like compared to other times I've like, to get to non authentic institutions, like they're really like patient. Like they're, they don't yell, they only yell at you. They, 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 they don't like, you know, like they aren't hard on you. They don't, they're really patient. Like really just are there for to help you out. As long as you're willing to do the work and like, you, know, you want to succeed, they will help you succeed. I guess, like, regards that question, I guess, to give it more of a nuanced answer, like, you know, feel, feel, feeling like a sense of belonging, like, is still something I struggle with. You know, like, sometimes it's going to be nice, though. Like, I, I, like, I like, you know, nice. it's good to be always be, when it comes to people on the spectrum, it's good to be kind, considerate, um, just, but, um, you know, it's, but I think, like, oh, it can be, be, it's important to be careful not to, you know, be too nice because this, this is possible because it can cross over into like you know patronizing and condescending. So because I, I was doing like, the night program because like they were nice. Like some of the people there, like you know, I don't, I don't think they work anymore, but they were really nice. But also like they were just like they like they kind of just treat everyone the same. You know, there were different levels of functioning between each of the people there, and it's like it's, like every time I did a little thing, like they'd be like high five and like you, you did good, You're, like congratulations, like. And I'll be, be like, turn the oven on and they'd be like, high five. And they'd be like, they just, it was like, I said, they're nice, but they were just treating me like, like I could like barely do anything. But because it's important to be nice and like be supporting, but also like meet, eat, there's no one size fits all. Like just important to meet people where they're at. Like not like, you know, like, like just, just, just you know, just listen, listen, just like adjust your, be flexible with how you treat your, with the treatment or, or like just like how you're, approach them. Absolutely. Marianne, do you want to chime in on this? 
Sure. I think that Jalen hit on a really important point, and that's just another misconception, right? That we're not talking about charity here. Building a neurodiverse workforce is not a charity move. And that the changes required are small and often really inexpensive to implement. Give me an example of an accommodation, just as a for instance. So those who are listening who who might be thinking, oh, I think this sounds like a really great opportunity and a way to, you know, really bring this talent into our organization. But what am I going to need to change? Or are we capable of doing that right now? I mean, what is an example of an accommodation? Sure. So we're really looking, we try generally categorize them into three categories. So sensory, physical space, and um, policies in the workplace. Um, so sensory might be a lighting concern, right? Closer to a window with natural light, uh, if that's possible. And as far as the office policies go, um, modified hiring process, and we do a whole training series on interviewing and how to modify that. That's really supportive for someone on the spectrum. Um, so a modified hiring process is important. Um, sensitivity, diversity training for staff, a modified work schedule that builds in breaks and can allow someone to get up and walk around if they need to, rather than sitting through excessively long meetings. Again, small changes. And the research is showing us that 56% of these accommodations cost nothing to implement, uh, and the remainder typically cost less than $500. Um, So we're not talking about a huge financial burden on companies here. Thank you for clarifying. It's essential to understand what we're referring to when we talk about accommodations and how thoughtfulness, being specific about how you're supporting the different talent that you have and their preferences and needs. It's not as significant of an investment as some might believe that it is. So Jalen, I would love for you to share with us what you wish everyone understood about people with autism. This is that mainly it's um, communication disorder. And even that, I wouldn't even say it's a disorder. I know that that's how some like organizations like, you know, like autism speaks, like tr- have treated autism in the past. Like it's something to be, it's, a, it's something to be treated. That's a cure. It's like it's a deviation that needs to be corrected. But really, just it's just a, it's a reason why we call it, like you know we we use the term ASD. It's like it's really just a different way of like thinking. Like like it's just a different way your brain's wired. And underneath it, like we're, we're we're not that different. We're really not that different from other people in the way we think across the world. But just that we, we have trouble communicating who we are and see past you know like the idiosyncrasies and like the awkwardness. You know we're we're, we're, we're people. Yeah, amazing people. And so speaking of amazing. Can you, well, I'm going to actually ask Marianne to tell me what she appreciates about you first. And then I'd like you to share with us, if you're willing, something that you appreciate about yourself. So Marianne, what's something that you love about Jalen? Well, first of all, I'm just really impressed with all the things that Jalen does. He's in a challenging major. He wrote this Cinehawk column for the newspaper. He's always willing to support Aspire. He's, you know, working to mentor younger students. He's also working um, at our summer camp in an operations role. So I really just feel impressed by all of the roles that Jalen takes on and how he manages all of that. Another thing that uh, has been really great about Jalen is that he's always willing to help out. So he's going to help us mentor um, high school students at a retreat that we have coming up that sort of just helps students on the spectrum get ready for college. How about you, Jalen? What is something that you recognize in yourself that's a strength and something that we can celebrate? I'm like really sensitive to other people's other people because I know that that's a misconception about autism that we don't feel empathy or like, but, but that just applies to cognitive empathy. And that is true. Like when I was a kid, like I, I, I had trouble, a lot of trouble reading people. Really, when it comes to effective empathy, like actually to relate, to, to feel others' emotions, like we're, we can actually be a lot more empathetic than the normal population. Yeah, you feel how you think people are feeling or you can recognize an affect 
on on their face or in their behavior and and bother to ask. I think that's really beautiful. Uh, something I appreciate about both of you is your generosity. And I'm not saying that just because that's the theme of this podcast, but it's because it's something that I so appreciate in other people. And I see it handily in both of you is that you're you want to share what you know. You want to encourage people to open up their minds. You want to help people to be better. So I asked both of you to share a favorite quote. So Marianne, one of your favorite quotes is from Sheryl Sandberg. And the quote is, we cannot change what we are not aware of. And once we are aware, we cannot help but change. What does that mean to you? So I chose this quote because I feel like it really sums up in part the mission of what the Kinney Center is trying to do through spreading awareness. Um, a lot of people aren't aware that 80% of people on the spectrum are unemployed. A lot of people aren't aware that of a lot of the things that Jalen was talking about, that they have these struggles and they might have these misconceptions. So I'm hopeful that this podcast and you know some of the other initiatives that we have are helping to spread awareness in the community um, to benefit people who otherwise might be overlooked and who, with the right supports, can be really successful. Thank you. And Jalen, your quote is from healthyplace.com. And it says, I'm bent, but not broken. I'm scared, but not disfigured. I'm sad, but not hopeless. I'm tired, but not powerless. I am angry, but not bitter. Tell us more. Yeah, you know, I feel like this quote, I guess, like it kind of sums up like where, where I am at like my life. Because like, you know, I've str- struggled with, you know, like mental health issues, like not beyond just autism, you know, like anxiety, OCD, depression. But like this, this one, like that, that quote, I guess it just really, it's like, it reflects like I think the show of mental illness in general is that like, you know, because like, it's an ongoing battle, but that doesn't mean like you. I like there's gonna be hard times. It's gonna be like boulders, like to push up the hill, and like just take take the good, the good, the good with the bad. You know, like things are never as bad as you think. No matter how like bad things in your head, you know, like this is like the world in like the past year, like the headlines. So it's never that bad. That's so helpful. So I think you're helping us to illustrate that you know there's a range, and for us to be you know curious about and open to, you know, where we're at on that range and really love ourselves through it and love each other through it so that we can continually learn and stay strong and, and, you know, overcome. So any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners on this topic from your heart, something that you think is important for people to hear and understand? Yes. You know, never be afraid to ask for help. You know, like I, I still struggle with asking help sometimes, but you know, it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't, doesn't like, like not everyone's gonna be nice, but there's, there's, there are always people out there. You're never alone. You just keep trying, you know, like you'll eventually will. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you. How about you, Marianne? Any parting words? Well, I just wanted to say, Shannon, I think you have provided such a great example here by including Jalen. I think I'm thrilled to be here to help amplify his voice. But the most important meat of what listeners are getting today is coming from Jalen. Like I said, amplify neurodiverse voices, include them in the conversation. And obviously Jalen is so well-spoken. It's just an honor to be featured alongside him. Oh, thank you. Thanks to both of you for investing your time and energy and sharing your experiences with us. There'll be a whole host of things in the show notes for our listeners to engage with and learn from, including the things that you have written, Jalen, so they can see your talent in action. And I just so deeply appreciate both of you for investing this time with us. Thank you. Thank you, too. I'm so glad to be a part of it. Thank you so much for having us. ROG Takeaway Tip. How to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Marianne and Jalen shared so many things for us to reflect on and work on. Let's challenge ourselves this week in two ways. Number one, vocabulary. 
One thing all of us can do is get our vocabulary right on differences that we don't know enough about. Here is some vocab and terminology from this episode. ASD is Autism Spectrum Disorder. Sometimes you'll just hear ASD or on the spectrum. The term on the spectrum shall never be used in derogatory ways. Neurodiversity is the range of differences in individual brain function and behavioral traits regarded as part of normal variation of the human population. This term is typically used to describe people with ASD, but also refer to other differences like ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, and dyspraxia. Neurotypical is a term used to reference those who do not have a condition that would qualify them as neurodiverse. Let's be cautious not to say she is autistic. Instead, say she has autism. Similarly, people have ADHD. They are not ADHD. Check out the show notes to get more information from the Kinney Center for support in your organization. Number two, acceptable behavior. It's important to identify and recognize what behavioral norms are tolerated in your organization. We'll start with some of the enjoyable qualities of people on the autism spectrum disorder. Adhere to rules and are punctual, literal, honest, may enjoy repetitive tasks, process-oriented, highly intelligent, non-judgmental, hardworking, reliable, loyal, concerned about accuracy. Are these behaviors always enjoyable? Well, that depends on what you're comparing it to. So let's go ahead and compare them to behaviors that are often tolerated in organizations. Behaviors like passive aggression, aggression, egocentric selfishness, dishonesty, favoritism, speaking without saying anything, blaming, using jargon over straight talk. Huh, maybe our tolerated behaviors need a refresh. Let's check our norms and expectations for flawed thinking and low standards. This week, share what you've learned from Jalen and Marianne. Practice using correct terminology and vocabulary and check your tolerated behaviors and bias related to neurodiversity. Until next week, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.